So welcome to next week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag. And thanks, as always, to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid Security. Now, my guest this week is Pete Thomas. Pete is the Head of Profit Protection at Lodge Service. Now, over 18 years' experience of dealing with the unique challenges faced by the charity retail sector. But prior to joining Lodge, Pete worked with the commercial sector and logistics, retail and LP roles, and had a distinguished 22-year career in the Royal Air Force. Active tours including Northern Ireland in the 1980s, Bosnia, the Falklands, and the Middle East. Um, Pete is well-known and certainly respected figure within the charity retail sector and a familiar face at the Charity Retail Association conferences. Now, he's also responsible for producing the widely acclaimed and quite well-known Profit by Protection Security Manual, which aims to provide guidance to charity retail teams dealing with potential security and loss prevention issues at shop level, which we are certainly going to be talking about today. But Pete, welcome. Good morning, Paul, and thank you for inviting me on. Good to hear. Yeah, no, a, a pleasure. Now, you and I have been um, chatting on and off and increasingly so over the past few months. But before we get into the detail, I want to take you way back when, um, background and career, obviously 22 years in the Royal Air Force, when young Pete was at school staring out of the window, was was the Royal Air Force the dream at that point? And did you sort of smoothly transition into that? Absolutely not. I think back in those days, to be honest with you, um, career-wise, uh, it, it was a lot easier for people. You know, you, you could actually leave school and get a job quite easily um, back in the 1970s. Um, to be honest with you, law enforcement does seem to be a bit of a Thomas family tradition. My sister's a, a King's Council now. And a partner in a law firm in Hebden Bridge. And my son's a response officer with Cambridgeshire Constabulary. So policing is, is definitely something I've always been interested in. Um, I originally planned to join the Met Police, but unfortunately back then you need to meet certain height and weight requirements. And at 17, I was too small and too skinny to be considered for that. And I think I had to be about six foot one um, and weigh considerably more. Um, so then I decided to follow my father into the Royal Air Force. Um, joined the RAF Police, which was a, a good alternative, I think, to the to the Met. Um, and as you've already mentioned, my career there, I did a full 22 years, and I, I served in a number of fun locations, two, two full tours, six years in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Um, most, of the, most of the interesting spots, I suppose, around the world, so the Gulf, um, Falklands, Bosnia, a couple of nice tours in Germany and Canada, um, and I actually finished up towards the end as a, an instructor at the police training college. So good policing background. Um, when I retired from the military, I then joined Tesco as a DC LPM. And then I worked in their retail support office for about three years before moving to Lodge Service. Um, joined Lodge Service in 2005. And I think there it was I discovered my passion for charity retail loss prevention, um, which is quite a niche environment, but it's one that I found suited me. It's, it's something you can really get involved in every bit of loss in charity retail means a huge deal to them. So, you know, I've spent long hours, for instance, standing outside charity shops in the rain, waiting for that person leaving, um, that you can you can then talk to and maybe look at a staff search, et cetera. Um, and we've developed the division over the years from just two charity clients when I first arrived to over 50 that we currently now support. And, and you say there was two clients when you arrived, so did you join Lodge specifically to work in and drive the charity retail sector? Did you come on board and go, come on, Pete, we need to grow this? Or, or did you sort of evolve into it once you'd landed? 
Yeah, that's a good question. When I joined, we, we did have a lot of other um, profit protection clients. So we had some had a large mainstream retailers. But unfortunately, I joined in 2005. 2008 was the, the recession. And of course, recession hit the high street very badly. So the one sector that was thriving through that was charity retail. So a lot of the empty units, empty shops in the high street were then occupied by, by charity shops. And we kind of gradually moved into charity retail. So as our other bigger name clients maybe maybe backed down and backed off um, and went bust, let's be, let's be honest, we then um, moved more into the charity retail field. And it just so happened then that a lot of our services, our manned services, so compliance auditing, point to sell test purchasing, um, security training, they, they suited the charity retail sector. Charity retail is really interesting because there's very few charities who have their own loss prevention teams or loss prevention departments. So I always think we fill that gap where they don't want an in-house resource. They can't afford to have an in-house resource and we wouldn't want them to, but they need some support. So we try to provide and step up where we can provide support to them um, on an ad hoc basis. And a lot of our charities have been with us for over 20 years. Um, our biggest ones have definitely been there since since inception and are still there, which is which is great. And, and you know, and I spoke recently at the charity uh, Retail Association conference. It was absolutely fascinating. I have to say, I had a really uh, eye-opening experience. But um, uh, Lodge, you've really become sort of known in that space, and 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 everybody knew you. So you say you've got some clients, but your role at Lodge and the charity division, you you, you kind of seem sort of like carrying the torch, if you like, and and sharing best practice. I mean, is is that? It was almost like you know. Uncle Pete gives us, you know, top tips and keeps us on the straight, straight and narrow. I mean, is that how it feels to you? Good, yeah, it yeah. does. I mean, you make me feel very old now, Paul. Um, but I, I, I suppose you're right. I suppose it's a very, uh, it's one of those sectors where you get to know people and you build a lot of relationships. So I would say most of my work. Um, it's, I suppose it's not really commercial. A lot of it's on relationships. So obviously, you, you know yourself, where you're providing a service, people need to trust you, particularly if they're talking to you about um, staff issues, personnel, um, the way they operate their business. There's a lot of um, trust involved. They've got to be able to trust you. We tend to start with a small piece of work. So maybe we'll do a little bit of mystery shopping, a little bit of targeted test purchasing, maybe if they've got a specific problem. And then that over the years will will build up and and it literally is an over the years situation. Um, I think my favorite thing I'll say to Charles is it's it's great if I don't hear from you again for 12 months because it means you don't have any problems. But we're always there if they do need us. And I think that's how we we kind of sell the business. I'm not I, I certainly wouldn't call myself a salesman in any way. I don't have a sales background. What I like to do is solve problems. So to me, if the charity has a problem and it involves loss prevention, then I'll talk to them about it. I talk probably to different charities every day, you know, and, and they're not our clients. They'll just phone and say, look, I've got this particular problem. What do you think we could do? I always say to them that advice is free. Um, I don't want them to spend money on loss prevention solutions unless they have to. They're raising money for a particular cause and they don't want to spend on outsource security. We'll talk to them, we'll help them solve the problem. And then if they see me as a, a, a reliable source of information, that's brilliant. And, and what you've just said is, is great, actually. It makes me feel very good. And, and in terms of the specific offering, I mean, you've touched on the fact there that you've got some, you know, long-term clients. I know, you know, you've been behind 
a couple of publications but is it is it occasional guarding that you use is it covert i mean is it yep. is it a full service as a commercial retailer might have that that you offer you know is there software just give us an understanding of of, of the of the landscape sure um well the, the, the Lodge Service Charity Division, and we're kind of shifting our title now to the Lodge Service Charity, um, focuses specifically on providing the loss prevention and security support to those over 11,000 high street charity shops. We've got a, a national field team of around 15 loss prevention managers, mix of full-time staff and specialist consultants, and we've got over 450 self-employed mystery shoppers on our database, um, all of able to respond at short notice to the client's requests. And I think that's the key thing for us. We can literally take a call on one day saying, can you get somebody to the shop tomorrow? We've got an issue. And, and we can do that. And we're geared up for that. Um, the team itself is made up of experienced loss prevention managers, all familiar with the unique requirements of the charity sector. And you've got issues such around gift aid, a volunteer workforce, demographics of that workforce, the challenges of managing donated stock and stock file, and lots of other things unique to the sector including all your general charity retail and new retailing issues. As for our service offering, we offer an all-encompassing loss prevention consultancy service, whereby we will become the loss prevention advisor to the charity and we work with them on all their security and loss prevention needs. So most of our work will be as an outsourced loss prevention department, providing both reactive services and proactive services. We look at staff training, mystery shopping, compliance auditing to support the regional field teams, and also the short notice reactive support, such as point of sale test purchasing and cash and stock loss investigations. We'll also benefit obviously from the support provided through the Lodge Service Group, which means um, lastly, we've been able to provide a full range of tech technical support. So we've got CCTV, customer service solutions such as footfall counting, heat mapping. And then just recently, we've also got Transpy, which is a bespoke data mining software, which has proven to be great benefit to um, our charities looking at the EPOS transactions. Um, you mentioned man guarding, large service are, are, are big, obviously, in the man guarding field. Probably charity sector doesn't need that quite so much, although we do supply, supply some man guards, um, depending on the, if they have made special events. The recent charity supermarkets we'll, we'll be discussing with them, you know, depending on the area, do they need any man support? Um, a lot of our stuff, though, is around internal staff theft and then looking at physical security for uh, to try and um, combat external theft. Yeah, and the, and the list of, if you like, offerings there and, and you touched on data mining, which is kind of a must have in commercial retail. You know, that, that that's kind of a sort of a suite of offering that commercial retail might look at. But what are the main challenges, do you think, charity retailers are, are facing? What What's the difference, if you like, what's the different focus? And, and maybe, you know, is there anything you're working on at the minute you can give us a little insight on and go, okay, we're being asked particularly look, to look at this. Maybe it is data mining that's become the must-have. But, but what do you see, you know, I'm a charity retailer, what's the main challenge I'm going to be faced with? I think you, you mentioned it well there, Paul, actually. Charity retailers nowadays face similar loss prevention and security concerns as your normal mainstream retailer, but they've got added challenges. So they've got challenges caused by donated stock. Um, it's very difficult for them to know just how much stock they've got in the shop. Um, if you asked me, for instance, what if the shrink figure is for a charity retailer or a shrink figure in a particular shop, 
they simply couldn't tell you that. Um, the, the, the donated stock doesn't get added to a stock file. It's very, very difficult for them to know exactly what they've got there. They've also got a volunteer workforce, which makes life very difficult. It affects their training, it affects how obviously they deal with the staff. They have smaller budgets. Um, obviously, they want to spend their money on their charitable causes. And quite often, they'll have a smaller budget. And security and loss prevention, um, historically, has never really been on the agenda. It's all for charity shops. They also have a lot of conflicting priorities. So, you know, they're trying to actually run the shop to make money. And they really don't want to be, to be spending much on security. So they do try and um, keep it as low as possible. But all of these can cause some issues. Um, Moving into the 21st century charity retailing, it is a different landscape than it was when I first joined. Um, for example, when I did join, there was one chain or quite a few chains. They'd record their sales in a book on the counter. They didn't have tills. They'd literally have a, you know, a till drawer. They'd put money in it, but they didn't have a proper EPOS system. A lot of the charities were still working with, even some of the bigger ones, they don't have a, a joined up EPOS. It's only at the local level. That makes it very difficult, obviously, for them to track um, transactions. So I think working with them over the years from the early days when I joined up to now, we're in a good position to provide advice on how they can change and how they can evolve. Um, and using best practice, I think that's my best phrase, best practice across the sector. If it's happening in one charity chain, it's happening in another one. So we very rarely see anything particularly new with most things and we can give them advice on um, how they can actually combat that. Um, external theft, and I hate the phrase shoplifters, I'm sure you do too, so we're just called shop thieves. It's increasing, I think, as society changes. Gone are the days when it was taboo to steal from a charity shop. And unfortunately, today's thieves don't differentiate between a charity shop and any other retail outlet. They will just target those retailers where they think they can get away with it. We're finding internal theft also continues to present problems with underwinging at the till point and refund fraud currently high on the list of ongoing cases. There's nothing particularly sophisticated. Um, it's not rocket science and people will start to steal and then they will continue if they're not stopped. So most of the people will look at internally. By the time we see them, they've already been on that path for some time. Um, we've got numerous cases obviously going on at the moment, but one recent case involved a staff member in a charity shop using discarded customer till receipts to process fraudulent cash refunds. So there's over 600 pounds uh, we're looking at at the moment, and the investigation is still ongoing to discover the full extent of the crime. Unfortunately, internal theft-wise, you'll find that people will, 99% of people who work for charity shops are honest and they're there for the right reason, but that very small 1%, they will target maybe charity chains as they know they can maybe get away with it. So they'll move from one charity shop to another if they're not checked, and if they're checks and um, balances aren't in there, so if they're not, for instance, getting till checks, if they're not looking at um, the proper vetting processes, if they, they can get away with this, they will just carry on stealing until they're caught, which is sad. Yeah, interesting. And and I'm intrigued. So you sit down in the morning, open the, the laptop up with your cup of tea and your, uh, and your digestive with your Royal Air Force logo on that mug. What absolutely? What 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 projects are you focusing on right time? So you know you said you know internal, you know mystery shopping, but you know what is there is there a is there a theme at the minute? Are eighty percent of your requests all in the same area, or is it a couple of 
top areas? I mean, what what's the sort of uh, what, what's the feeling out there? What, what are you being asked to do? Certainly, um, EPOS um, interrogation and data mining is a big one at the moment. Um, so this morning, for instance, I started off, we've got about six covert systems out there at the moment. So we'll look at those. We're linking, by looking at our covert cameras, we can look at refund activity in a particular shop, linking it straight to the um, any CCTV on the till point. So we had a case again just last week where it was a really small thing. We do, um, we do programs of compliance audits across a number of different chains. So during the audit, the auditor pointed out uh, there was some refund using the paperwork missing from the um, till work, till paperwork over the last two weeks. So quick inspection of that, reported it back to the charity. Now, luckily, they had cameras over the till points. They were able to actually find the transaction. And it was clear straight away there was no customer at the till point. So I suppose we've probably got about four or five of those kicking on at the moment. We've got stock being removed from the shops. So we've got cameras in a couple of shops on that one as well where you're seeing staff leaving at lunch times or leaving at the end of the day with bags, um, that will then trigger potential staff search operation, which we then put into, into place. Our ongoing compliance programs. So every day we probably put through about 30 compliance audits across a number of different charities. They always have to be obviously checked off, sent on to the client. They'll pass them on to their area managers so they can respond. I think it's just an ongoing process. I think. At the moment, you say is anything specific. I would say refunds and maybe point of sale loss, cash issues. Obviously, at the moment, we've got a cost of living crisis, which could be prompting that. So we're very keen to make sure there's all the cash um, ends up in the right place. And then you've got constant problems of, I suppose, regular stuff, stop going missing. Um, you've got gift aid issues. So gift aid is a, a quite a key one where charities allowed to claim back 25% from HMRC on gift-aided donations. Um, there is a temptation there to put gift aid through when they shouldn't be, so we'll always be keeping an eye on that to protect the charities. It's a, it's, there's so many different problems, which makes it a great and exciting day, actually. I open up a laptop, and some days, obviously, you look and think, oh, no, what have we got here? But I'd say every day you're getting something slightly different, um, which we've done before, but you know we can then advise and help along. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. I'm intrigued. So when you first started working with charities through to today, if you were to sort of do a timeline, what do you think's changed? Because in my simple mind, uh, you know, some honor among thieves they would avoid charity shops back in the day and and you know your big yeah. problems might be you know mr miggins selling that gucci jacket to himself for a pound opposed to you know putting it on the on the on the racking for 50 but you know is that is, is that simplifying the matter i mean you must have seen some big changes in in the challenges they're facing if you were to sort of talk through a, a simple timeline what, what have your observations been Certainly, yeah, I think I think society, as I mentioned earlier, society has changed considerably over the last 15 years or so. Um, charity shops often, the, the, you know, the higher end ones, they don't even look like charity shops anymore. Some people will deliberately target the charity shops 
if they think they have a lower focus on security and loss prevention, mainstream retailers, um, charity shops are run by volunteers quite often who may not um, may not quite be aware that they could be a target. I always say to charity people in, in the best way possible that sometimes they are a little bit naive. And I say this to the to the decision makers as well and the, um, the trustees, you know, the old days of people not targeting charities, that's long gone, unfortunately. Um, my team, and I still remember the days where it was taboo to steal, to steal from a charity, but that's, that just doesn't happen anymore. I think in some ways, though, charity retailers become a victim of their own success. As they raise their profile on the high street and get more professional in order to attract more customers, with a more professional approach to retailing and added focus on selling a wider range of new goods and corporate donations, they will unfortunately attract the attention of potential thieves and see an increase in both external and internal theft. A lot of shops are selling a lot of corporate donations now, which are new goods donated by a big corporate partner. But of course, when that goes into a shop, that's not like a donated item, second-hand goods that maybe somebody's just brought into the shop. You know, some of these ranges are high-end um, designer ranges going in, and there is um, an issue there that could be an issue around both internal and external theft. So the charities are having to step up now and look at their retailing um, as retail and not just charity. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you make a, a good point. I think you, you're right. Once upon a time, a charity retail store, without being too unkind to them, was a little bit like a jumble sale. Um, you know, it was it was just a pile of stuff. And you're quite right. I guess if I was out to to do wrong, it didn't hold a great deal of interest. But yeah, they look the part, the rackings there. They're known for new products, designer goods. So I guess if I'm out to defraud a retailer to fund whatever reason I'm committing crime, they're, they're quite attractive now, aren't they? And they look the part. So it seems there may be, is it, is it, would you think it's fair to say that charity retailers have got no choice but to continue to take their retailing duties, if that's the right word, more seriously? And does that now include loss prevention are you saying look come on you you're looking like a retailer you've now got to operate like a retailer on on numerous fronts is that is that message landing is that a fair challenge to them yeah no i, th I think that's absolutely right paul i think in the old days the charity shops they were there to raise money for the cause but they weren't particularly high profile they were um things were done were done slightly differently but charity retailing nowadays 21st century charity retailing I think the emphasis, I always do say to the charities, the emphasis has got to be on the fact that they're a retailer. Yes, they're selling for a charity cause, but they're, they're a retailer first and foremost. So they've got to embrace or be involved in all the challenges that presents in terms of security and loss prevention. Uh, interesting to note though, charities have got a legal duty to their donors to ensure their stock donations and monies raised from the sales of goods is safeguarded. And they need to ensure they've got adequate security measures in place to protect not only the cash and assets, but also the staff as well. So that's what we talked to them about, loan working devices, CCTV, um, any other issue, anything that we can safeguarding their staff. Um, a lot of our audits will now focus on um, risk assessments and safeguarding of the staff and volunteers. And these are all really vital things if they're going to be employing people and um, using volunteers, et cetera, in the shops. One thing that's really interesting now is I think a major change I've noticed over the last five years that there's now a number of heads of retail coming into the charity sector who have previous experience of mainstream retailing. 
and that's now helping to drive forward the required change using their knowledge that they've gained in other sectors. So when we talk to them, say, for instance, about staff searches, 10 years ago, there would be a few horrified looks and we say, oh, no, our staff don't steal from us. We don't need staff searches. Nowadays, you talk to a head of retail and generally they say, yep, that's fine. We used to do that in my previous business. So things are changing. You know, when you're looking at budgets as well, that they're appreciating that these things do cost money, unfortunately. So it is getting, I suppose, easier in a lot of ways to talk to them about loss prevention as they, they embrace these changes. You find when they, if you like, peek under the bonnet of the reality that, you know, the amount they are losing to theft and internal is A, higher than their worst case scenario, and B, do they, do they then, are they then able to pay for you guys out of the, the, the savings and then even return more to the charity? I mean, are you able to go in and say, you know, we'll, we'll you know, engage with us and we'll actually enable you to contribute more to the charity because of the savings that we can bring? Have you reached that point? Can you make those claims, Pete? We have, but we have on a lot of things. I mean, obviously, we're talking not just about the cost implications, we're talking about morale. Um, we're looking at you know, safeguarding the staff. If you've got a dishonest staff member, quite often the other volunteers are aware that things are a bit amiss, and that's where we'll maybe get whistleblowers, etc. People don't want to work for a charity where people are stealing from that charity. People don't want to donate to a charity where people steal from it. So I think a lot of it is, is kind of brand um, and reputation that we're protecting as well. Um, the actual cost issues, yes, they wherever we can, we will justify it. We obviously put a business case. If you look at gift aid, one of our big things we do is around gift aid to encourage more gift aid um, sign-ups and engagement. And we'll produce figures for them to say, look, if you put in particular programs, this is how you're going to increase your, your turnover. So we will come up with cost issues. We're also very careful that we're not recommending and, and implementing solutions where they don't need them. You know, the last thing the Lord's Service wants to do is take money from a, a charity on outsourced security um, provision, but they don't need it. So we will talk to them very carefully about what they need. And I, I do often get phone calls and, and messages from maybe area managers, particular charities saying, Pete, you know, we've got this issue, can you go and put a camera in? And I'm, I'm not afraid to go back and say, no, that's going to cost you X, Y, and Z, and you're not going to save half of that. So let's look at doing this a different way. So it really is on a one-to-one -one basis for a lot of the cases. And we'll say to them, you know, what do you want to achieve? This is what it's going to cost. Let's not do that. Let's do something different. So um, I'm not sure if Stuart, Stuart would be too overly impressed. I'm sure he would be. Um, but we've got to be sensible about charity money. You know, we're not going to just... You just need to remind him that... Away, you just need to remind Stuart that Lodge is third generation, is it family owned? And there's a reputation there uh, yeah. and, uh, and and just leave you to it. You make an interesting point there about reputation because you're quite right. If I knew that uh, a particular charity or some of its retail outlets had got a theft problem within that store, I would donate elsewhere. Um, and I guess that's the sort of the unseen aspect if you don't get a grip on on that side of things and you end up with a with a pr nightmare or a story in the press which is always a possibility then you know that can have knock-on effects for for months to come it, it absolutely can and unfortunately i suppose we've got to be careful on this because some charities a lot of charities won't want to involve the police um on an internal theft case 
purely for that reason, because mm -hmm. if that hits the local paper, then the impression then is that, well, I'm not going to donate to that charity because their staff steal the stock. So there is a balance being actively had, and we'll always advise them on, you know, what, what kind of route to take. You know, the yes, they want to be um, seen to be solving the problem, but they don't want to be, you know, accepting their, their reputation and brand, etc. Um, it's it's quite a lot of work, quite a lot of things to, to consider. And, and, and I can imagine, you know, I, I get why you're so passionate about it, because it's a fascinating sector. So as you look forward, Lodge, with its charity retail offering, you know, what does the future look like? You know, are you expanding the team? Is the new offerings? Are you seeing more? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the perceptions, a lot of store openings for charity retail is it you know is it a growth opportunity you know what what what's what's your sort of take on on where this part of retail is going i think i think it certainly is developing um i can see that as we can all see the high street slowing down in certain areas a lot more charity shops um they're getting a lot more professional there's certainly the sector i think is, is certainly thriving um since covid um there's a lot more shops opening up um we're obviously you know, society's changed now for, um, you know, donated goods and, and recycling, etc. So that there is a lot of a lot of business out there. I think we're very much on the journey with the charity sector. We want to work closely with them to make sure that whatever services we have meet their requirements. And our services will evolve, and they're evolving. I say every every few months, we're bringing in something else. Depending on what issue they've got, we'll develop something else. And I think as a loss prevention provider, I always try to understand the root cause of the issue and then develop a solution that solves the problem to provide maximum support to them. Um, I think going forward, we're currently developing more remote services. And again, this is probably as a result of, of COVID as well. So virtual auditing, for instance, EPOS data mining is a big one. A lot of technical and AI solutions. You know, we want to see footfall and heat monitoring so we can see where they've got hotspots in the shops, where their customers go. Um, online test purchasing. So we do a lot of point-of-sale test purchasing to try and make sure the money is actually going into the till. Or we can do a lot of online stuff. A lot of charities now have um, their own online shops. So we'll do online test purchasing. We'll look at what's being sold through their online systems. So we're trying to reduce the need so much for operatives to carry out physical shop visits. Obviously, to reduce our own environmental impact as well. And it's going to be quite exciting, I think, the next five to 10 years, there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of new things coming in. Probably rolling out a lot of our existing security um, provision that we put into a mainstream retailer. And we were just tweaking that and making sure that it works in retail as well. Um, I think my overriding principle, Paul, is that spending on security and loss prevention for charities should be kept as low as possible while still achieving the required aim. Charities out there are doing a fantastic job raising money for their amazing causes. The last thing we want to be doing is for it to be wasted on costly and unnecessary security projects. Yeah, and, and what a great mantra to, to operate by. I completely uh, get that. Um, and that's why everybody speaks so highly of you, Pete. So when I was at the Charity Retailers Association, um, your name was never far uh, from, from people's lips. So uh, you're doing a sterling job. So long may it continue. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, I uh, have taken a a new interest over the past few months in charity retail. It is fascinating and you're right. It is evolving at one huge pace in terms of professionalism and 
uh, and supported by people like yourselves uh, as they have to tackle more of the, the sort of standard commercial retailing uh, modus operandi, if you like. So uh, keep up the good work. But for now, Pete, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Bob.